You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Revealing the Father, Part 2. Enjoy. We're going to have some fun this morning. We started last week talking about revealing the Father. And if you can believe it, next week is Easter. Isn't that amazing? Easter 2018 is coming. So Uh, so we're going to do something different next week. We've got a a fun, fun time planned, some chocolate photo booth some uh, activities. It's going to be a good time. So be here next Sunday. But we're going to talk, continue talking about what we started last week, revealing the Father, revealing the Father. We said last week that Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. And you'll see Jesus in every book of the Bible, and you'll find that this is the main point of the Bible. God wants to reveal himself to us. He doesn't want you to have any questions in your mind about who he is, his will for your life, how much he loves you, what he's already provided for you. So he sent his son to set the record straight, to make it very clear that it is always his will for you to be healthy. Always for the rest of your life. And not only is it His will, but He has provided, He's made provision for that through the atonement of His Son. Now, we're moving forward together in Christ, right? We're growing in Christ together. We're we're knowing Jesus more. That means we're changing. I hope you're not planning on being the same next Sunday as you are today. Really? I mean, sometimes, you know, we've developed our systems, we've put these certain disciplines into our lives, but I want you to know, you, you can't get to where you need to go with your own systems and wisdom. God has a destiny that is beyond your ability. In fact, sometimes we can fool ourselves, whether we know Christ or not, God has put gifts in all of us, and he doesn't take those back, regardless of how you use them. Those are yours forever. And sometimes we can be fooled by the, the, our talents and gifts that we have that we've, we're self-made men and women, that we've earned the position that we're in, or that we've worked our way to the, the position that we have. But the reality is we can't do anything apart from Christ, which shows you how gracious he is, how much he's for people. He wants people to succeed and to be whole and to do well. But the reality is regardless of the gifts that we have, we can't take a breath without him so we're changing we're realizing more and more how much he loves us and how much we need him so we're going to talk about some stuff today that might seem a little weird we're going to talk about spiritual gifts the holy spirit because the holy spirit has the same goal as jesus to reveal the father But we said last week um, that we look at things in terms of two realms. We've got the natural realm and the supernatural realm, right? God doesn't look at things that way. God's natural is our supernatural. God doesn't have two realms. It's his realm, okay? We fell from the realm of God when we sinned. Adam wasn't made natural. He was made supernatural. That's a big deal. Because most of us have so used to the natural, the supernatural seems odd to us or strange or like we shouldn't really talk about this or this is for crazy people, right? Or this is is for cults to talk about, right? 
But the reality is God is supernatural. He speaks and planets are there that weren't there before. Right? Jesus made the maimed whole. He's the same today. So if man's wisdom is your norm, truth is going to sound weird to you. If you're used to relying on your own wisdom and strength, truth is going to sound a little strange to you. But Jesus is our new normal. We are like him in the earth. We live like he lives. We do it. He's our model. He is our our role. He's the one we look to to learn how to operate in this earth. And this is supernatural. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Stay with me. You don't want to miss where we're going. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts because we need the Holy Spirit. And boy, the more, and I've been walking and, 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 and praying in the Spirit and enjoying spiritual gifts since 1989, and the more I experience them, the more I realize how much I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Yes, yes. Now, this is the heart of what we do. You put it up there, Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified. This is the heart of what we do here at Highway Church. This is our, our, our focus. This is our nuclear reactor. This is what gives us energy and strength. And I, I believe the meaning of life is found right here. Verse 10. Paul's writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he says, my determined purpose is that I may know him. Don't write this off as this is just for ministers. You will find whatever field you're in, this is the foundation you want to operate from. Whether you're in the medical field, the educational field, uh, business, any type of business or industry, this is for all of us. This is the meaning of life. Our heart won't function properly until our heart is consumed with Jesus. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. What does that mean? Trivia, like he... You know, he had a mole on his left cheek. No. Talking about his nature, his will, his heart, his purpose. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Every day. I never want to know less of Jesus than what I know right now. And I I don't want tomorrow to come and me not knowing more of Jesus than I know now. We're progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Jesus. What does that mean? We're perceiving things in our spirits. We're recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Resurrection power is flowing in your body right now. You may not know it. Just like electricity is in the earth's atmosphere, we can turn the lights off in here, but it's still there. The resurrection power of Christ, which it exerts over believers. Let me see if I want to jump there real quick here. Now, let's keep going. Okay. If your focus, if the focus of your life, if the reason for the decisions you're making is anything other than this, 
you haven't begun to live yet. You haven't. You haven't begun to live yet. And you will not fulfill your divine destiny. This is the trigger. This is what gets us on the right path where we make the decision, Lord, I realize there's a lot of things going on this earth. There's a lot of directions I can go. But I'm making a conscious decision today to make knowing you more the passion of my life. Regardless of what field I'm in. Regardless of what area of business I'm in. Now let's jump back a few verses to verse 7. Verse 7, same chapter. Now look at this. This gets more radical. Are you ready? Is this okay? You don't want to stay the same, do you? you? We need to change. The only one who doesn't need to change is God because he's perfect in all his ways, but we need to be transformed more so each day so that the image of Christ inside of us would be seen to those around us, right? But all these things that I once thought very worthwhile, you can fill in the blanks. What are some things you think are worthwhile? Now I've thrown them all away. <laughs> Why would someone do that? So that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. This is radical, huh? Yes, everything else. Look at the next verse. He's not done yet. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do we have the Amplified up there, the priceless privilege? The Amplified says it this way. Everything else uh, is worthless when compared to the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ. Listen, don't think for a moment this is not relevant to your daily life. Right. Having this as the focus of your life will give you a supreme advantage in your workplace. Yeah. It will enable you to have ideas and solve problems that yeah. no one else in your workplace can solve. This is very relevant. Nothing could be more relevant to your daily practical life than the love of Jesus. I've put aside all else. Let's continue in verse 8. I've put aside all else, counting it worse, less than nothing. I think the King James says cow poop there. Dung, right? In order that I can have Christ. Verse 10. Now I've given up everything else. Wow. I've found it to be the only way to really know Christ. Wow. So many believers coming to church week after week and not being changed. Because they haven't gone all the way in their heart. Give him your whole self. Your whole self, nothing's more important than Jesus having your whole heart. Now I've given up everything else. I've found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again. And over the years and just knowing different believers, I've heard so often believers saying, I'm trying 
I've tried so hard. I've tried everything. I've tried as hard as I can. And that reveals that they don't realize how much God loves them. That, realize they, they, that reveals they don't understand the power of Christ in them. God doesn't want you to try harder. He wants you to let him live through you. To lean your whole personality on him. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering. Surrendering to the person of Jesus and saying, Jesus, you know better than I do. My future is not up to me anymore. I'm putting it in your hands. I will go where you tell me to go and I'll do what you tell me to do. And your perfect love, there's no fear in that prayer. Don't ever listen to anyone who tells you be careful what you pray for. That's ignorance of God's love. Why, you think he's going to do something bad to you? You have no fear in his presence, right? You can ask him for anything at any time and he wants you to do so. He's not going to give you something bad to hurt you. He only will do good things to you. He's promised us that. He's revealed that to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, the, the verse, verse 10 in the uh, 2015 Amplified. This is a new version of the Amplified. I like this. It says, and this, so that I may know him. In other words, I've, I've, I've given up everything else. I've, I've, everything else has taken a back seat so that I may know him experientially. That means in your workplace, where you live, the things you have to do each day. That's your experience, right? He's relevant to you. That you may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely i like that now look what this says here and in the same in that same way experience the power of his resurrection which overflows and is active in you you're telling me the resurrection power of christ is overflowing in me now yes It's true, whether you believe it or not. Not believing it doesn't change it. It just keeps you from experiencing it. You start believing that. The resurrection power of Christ is overflowing in me. You get up tomorrow and you say that. All throughout your day, the resurrection power of Christ is overflowing in me. And you keep your mind stayed on that reality. And you watch what happens. You watch how you, the, the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit, will begin to strengthen you and lift you up into a new level of understanding. Amen. So the Holy Spirit wants to reveal the Father to us. Jesus is our example in that. Let's look again at Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. So what do you think? Does this sound pretty radical to you? It's different, isn't it? Truth sounds radical when man's wisdom or our own wisdom is our normal, right? But Jesus is our new normal now. He's our new normal. We're going forward. So I love, I love studying Jesus because there's no one like him. And thank God that we have Bibles that we can read. And we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The first five books of the New Testament. You'll see Jesus in the flesh there. And it transforms my life continually. In verse 27, this is the message translation. Jesus is talking, and he says this, The Father has given me all these things to do and say. 
So every miracle Jesus did, he did to show us what the Father was like. He was re- and not only that, he was revealing to us what our life was meant to be like. So not only did he come to reveal the Father, he came to reveal who you were meant to be. I love that. The Father's given me all these things to do and say. This isn't a charity. It isn't a social club. It's not a religious organization. This is a unique father and son operation from heaven. I like that. Coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. That's where religion closes the door. Yeah. That's right. Right? That's right. Yeah. Don't come any further. Yeah. Right? But Jesus didn't close the door. No. Don't re- let religion close the door in your own heart. Jesus is about to invite you yeah. to know the Father like he knows him. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready. I want to go over this line by line with anyone willing to spend time with me. Anyone willing to listen to what I have to say. (laughs) Man, that's good. Now, we need the Holy Spirit when we read the Bible. Do you know that? And it's funny. The Holy Spirit is not often talked about in many churches. And you start talking about them, people get a little uneasy. What's he talking about? <laughs> the Holy Spirit? The Holy Ghost? Oh, boy. Right? But he's God. He's the one who was hovering over the waters before God said, light be. He's the active agent of God in the earth that, that, that brings the word of God to, to manifestation in our lives. And we need the Holy Spirit when we're reading the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit, we fell from our God-given realm through sin, right? But when we put Christ came, and the Holy Spirit has come to lift us back up into the realm of God where we belong. We're supernatural people. Living supernatural lives. People who don't know God are living natural lives. We're not. This is not a Sunday thing. So many in the body of Christ have been robbed of the power the Holy Spirit wants to, uh, to bring into their lives because of their religious tradition. Jesus said a very shocking statement. He said, your traditions have made the word of God of no effect in your life. Wow, what? Your traditions have made the power of God void in your life. How important it is to realize, what do I really believe? Is, do what I, are the beliefs in my head and my heart, do they line up with the person of Christ in Matthew through Acts? Jesus said this in John 16, 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. He relied on him daily. He did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 13 of the same chapter, John 16, we read this scripture last week, we'll read it again. How be it when he... The Spirit of truth is come. 
He will guide you Amen. into all truth. Amen. He's going to do this. Let him do it. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, who's speaking to the Holy Spirit? God the Father, right? So whatever the Holy Spirit hears, light be from the Father, he brings to, to manifestation in your life. That, sh that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He'll show you things on your job that your, your boss doesn't know. If you'll learn to listen to him and rely on him. There may be things about to happen in the company you're with that no one else knows about, and God will give you insight into it so you can be prepared ahead of time. The basic Bible in English, put that up there, same verse, verse 13. I like how it says this. However, when he, the spirit of true knowledge, has come, any knowledge that is contrary to the person of Christ is not true knowledge. Didn't he say, I'm the way, the truth, right? The spirit of true knowledge has come. He wasn't in the earth prior to that, right? He, not, like he, not like he was after Pentecost and Acts. He will be your guide into all the true knowledge, into, excuse me, into all true knowledge. Amen. I guess this keeps coming up. That means your workplace, right? You need true knowledge in your workplace, don't you? Whatever, whatever project's being worked on, you know, how, Lord, how do, I, how do I take A and C and make it equal F, right? True knowledge. Holy Spirit is relevant to where you live. For his words will not come from himself, but whatever has come to his hearing, that he will say, and he will make clear to you the things to come. Wow. It's time for clarity in our lives. Not claritin, clarity. <laughs> All right. We need clarity. We need to know why we're on earth. We need to know God's divine purpose for our lives so that we can fulfill it, so that we can be the people we were made to be. It's time for clarity. Jesus is our new normal. Hallelujah. Here we go now. You're doing okay so far? Yeah. We're getting into 1 Corinthians 14. <gasps> oh, boy. <laughs> Spiritual gifts. What are those all about? Amen. Same purpose as Jesus, to reveal the Father to us. That's what spiritual gifts are for. They're to reveal the Father to us. God reveals himself to us by his word and through his spirit. You need both. There are many camps on either side. Some say, well, we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore because we've got the written word. And they become very hard and dry and legalistic. Then there are some on the other side, we don't need the word anymore, we've got the Holy Spirit. And they become very strange. Yeah. Because they're being led not by the Holy Spirit, but by other spirits. You will never go beyond the word of God. You haven't, we haven't even begun to touch the riches of the Word of God. One scripture you can meditate on for the rest of your life every day, and you will get new, new, new realities out of it if you're listening. 
So we, we need both the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We can't dispose of one. Now, let's see here. So the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the Bible to us. And I don't have it up here with me. It's in my bag back there. But I like to read out of my paper Bible. It's, it's not a, I have lots on my phone. But I like to read out of the hard copy Bible simply because I can see more stuff at a glance. I open it up and I can see, you know, a left and right page. I don't have to do any of this or, or scrolling. I can just see, see a, lot of, a lot of truth at one glance. But we need the Holy Spirit when we're reading the Bible to illuminate the true knowledge of Christ to us. Now, there's a lot of controversy over the Bible. Duh, right? A lot of controversy. People saying it says this, it means that. And a lot of it is baloney, right? Not the Oscar Mayer kind, the cow poop kind, the dung kind. It's a waste of time, right? This is the PG version of my message. What's the deal with controversy? It is a strategy of Satan. The New Testament teaches us very clearly he has strategies. The Old Testament does too. So what does he want to do? He wants to keep you from experiencing your father. He wants you to keep, to keep you from experiencing the love he has for you, the power, the resurrection life. So what does he do? He creates controversy around the things God has provided for you, like healing. Well, I believe God can heal, but I don't know if it's his will to heal me. That's a very dark, ignorant statement in light of what Christ has done in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The only reason they thought, think that is either someone told them that or they're basing what they believe on what they've been through. If they'll discard of their own beliefs and look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you can come to no other conclusion but that it is his will to make us whole. That's what he did. All right? Another thing is around the Holy Spirit. Satan was dreading the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come into the earth and men would be clothed with power from on high. Oh, he dreaded that day. Now there are going to be Jesuses all over the world. <laughs> Messiahs breaking forth every time someone puts their faith in Jesus. Now he's the Messiah. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when you put your faith in Jesus, he comes alive in you. And everywhere you go, he's there. I'm trying not to preach too much because I want to do more teaching. We're going to teach today. We'll preach a little bit. All right. <laughs> so it's funny. Now, thank God he did what he did in my life. But I grew up in a very religious church. Very quiet. Same thing every week. And it, it was, became very clear to me as I was about 17, 18, I was like, something's missing here. God's got to be better than this. There's got to be, he's got to be happy or something. I mean, there's got to be some life somewhere. So I started taking long walks at night and talking to God. Didn't know the Bible. I mean, I could take three-hour walks and just say, God, who are you? You know? Thankfully, someone got a Bible in my hand, and I started reading it. Amen. And I got to know him when I was about 19. But I didn't, so I read, I started reading the book of John. Highly recommend it. Read it, read it, read it. And I'd read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Acts. And I just, I just started believing everything I read. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Started praying in tongues. Started seeing the gifts of the Spirit manifest in my life. And I thought, wow. 
I found God, or he found me, however you want to say it. And then I, and I didn't know anything other than the tradition I grew up in. And I was at that point, I was at a, a campus of about 18,000 students, and I started meeting other Christians, and I learned that they didn't believe that what happened in Acts was for us today. And I was shocked. I thought, I've never seen them at the church I was at when I was growing up. Who told them that? You know, who told thee that and why did you believe that? You won't find that in the scriptures. And so I found there are different camps of believers, which I didn't understand. Some say that, you know, what happened in Acts was just the kickstart of the church. And we don't need that anymore because we've got the written word. The Bible doesn't teach that, but some churches do. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, the risen Christ was about to return to his father, and he commanded his disciples, don't go anywhere until you're clothed with power from on high. Many disciples aren't listening to that today. They've come together with their natural minds and built seminaries, and they've created their tracks, and they trained their 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 people to go out with their little paper track and knock on doors but there's no power there they've got their little 10-step plan or whatever i'm not trying to make fun of everybody but you don't need 10 steps when you got the holy spirit inside of you and you don't need a track you're the track i don't need a little piece of paper and go through steps to tell someone how much god loves them i need the holy spirit to penetrate their heart and no piece of paper can do that so generations of believers have been trained to rely on little tracks, to rely on pieces of paper instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we okay? Not trying to offend anyone, but man, if we're going to have a church, we're going to have a church full of the fire of the Holy Spirit. I can't live without him. I've tried and it doesn't work. We need everything he has to offer us. We didn't come up with this. He did. We don't need to create any new doctrines. Jesus is our doctrine. Someone asked me, said, what do you call this, what you teach? The Jesus doctrine? I said, I guess that's good. If he said it, if he did it, we believe it. That's just that simple. If you want to know what we believe, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's the foundation of it, Jesus. All right, so what's the deal? 1 Corinthians, well, let's look at Mark, and then we'll go there. Mark 16, then we'll go to 1 Corinthians 14. This is Jesus talking, the Great Commission. No one gave him a script other than the Holy Spirit. No man-made organization said, okay, Jesus, you just rose from the dead. We're going to spread this thing around the world. We've got this. Just say this before you go back to the Father. No. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gave him these words. So we're, we're going to grab a hold of him, right? Because he's Jesus and we're not right? He's the, he's the beginning, he's the end, and everything in between. He said to his disciples, you imagine what this must have been like, the risen Christ standing before them. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. Here's a little track. Go over this with them. Tense now. Uh-uh. He didn't give them any tracks. Come on, it's time to shake off tradition. I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm telling you, God wants to take us higher. It's time to drop the tracks and embrace Jesus. Let's let go of the little systems, our cute little ways that aren't offensive to anyone, and let's come into someone's life with the love of Jesus and let the Holy Spirit transform them. 
we're the same. Jesus is the same. Nothing's changed. The Holy Spirit's the same. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Look at verse 17. This is Jesus talking. The way, the truth, and the life. He says, these signs will follow. Those who what? What if you don't? What if you believe that these aren't for today? Will they follow you? No, because why? Believing is important. So wow, what I believe can change everything. Right? Jesus says these signs will follow all disciples. No, those who believe. Very important. This is all by faith. So if I build my doctrine on what I've been through, I'm in trouble. Because what I've been through has a lot to do with what I believe and don't believe or what I don't know about God. So we need to build what we believe on the person of Christ and let him change our life experience. All these signs, there's no doubt about it, will follow those who believe. Believers won't follow these signs. I see a lot of believers looking for signs. That's the opposite of what he said. No, the signs follow believers. If you're looking for signs, you haven't tasted how good he is yet. Once you taste, you won't look anywhere else. Because when you know him, he's the sign. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Guaranteed. Have you cast out demons? Yes, of course. It's part of our life. It's part of walking with him. I've dealt with a number of them. They'll cast out demons. Demons? Are they real? This is really getting radical now. Sorry, they're real. Not believing doesn't make them go away. It just allows them to operate in your life without you knowing about it. They will speak with new tongues. Just simple, plain, clear. Who will do this? Those who believe. This is the master talking. So we embrace it. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. If that's not supernatural, I don't know what is. This is the life he has for you. But it comes through believing. It's not automatic. You have to choose to believe this. I've seen it in my life over and over again because at 19, I chose to believe this. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. <laughs> so through faith in Jesus, natural men and women become supernatural men and women. Now, let's get to 1 Corinthians 14. What was the first sign in Acts chapter 2 that showed up in the earth on the day of Pentecost? What was the first sign? Shundi Tongues of the things he said in Mark 16. We're not making this up. What did he say? So of all these signs he listed, uh, where are they again? So casting out demons, speaking new tongues, uh, nothing shall any means hurt them, laying hands on the sick. Out of those things that he listed, what was the first thing that showed up in the earth on the day of Pentecost? Yeah, I'm not making that up. You can read Acts chapter 2 for yourself. The very first sign of the New Testament church was the baptism of the Holy Spirit's ev Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues. That's very important. And if you've done Bible study for a while, one of the principles they'll teach you is the principle of first mention. 
that the first time something happens in the Bible is very significant. Acts is the template for our lives as believers. It was not a kickstart. It was the beginning, and it's still being written. All right? Now, understanding that, and, and if you, we have messages, I'm going to write them down on our website, our podcast, that we talk more specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and why speaking in tongues is so important. And you say speaking in tongues, and many believers look at you like you're from the devil. Seriously. Or they'll say that's from the devil. Do you know they accuse Jesus of that? Of the things that he did, he does by Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, right? I'd be very careful to say something like that about the Holy Spirit, right? And why do they say that? They're, God's ways are foreign to them, and they've been in churches for decades. How can God be foreign to you and you've grown up in a church for 30 years? Tradition. We do not want the ways of God to be foreign to us. We want them to be normal, part of our everyday life. We need him. This is not radical. This is basic Jesus 101. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to start with some controversial scriptures. All right? And then Jennifer, I want to have her come up here in just a moment. This is so good. And I know there's a lot of controversy around this stuff, but I know the reason behind it is not the Father. It's Satan trying to keep people from, from the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 22 of 14. It's a New King James Version. Now Paul's writing by the Holy Spirit. Therefore tongues are for a sign. Okay. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Let's keep reading. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, we can insert right there, to each other, in other words, we all came in here and we were speaking tongues to each other, which would be foolish. We don't speak to each other in tongues unless there's an interpretation. And there came in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Maybe. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. Now stay there for a minute. Go back to verse 22. Remember we said last week about the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God. It is infallible. However, it's written by fallible people. They, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they were just people. In other words, you're going to see people's personalities come out in the Bible. You see some ugly stuff in the Bible. People doing stupid stuff, ungodly things. Corinthians was a crazy place. I'm going to tell you about it in a second. The point I'm making, if you try and take the Bible literally or, or become legalistic with it, you're going to miss the life it brings. Let me give you an example right here. What did he say here? So tongues are a sign for who? Based on this verse. Unbelievers, right? Prophecy is a sign for who? You catch that. That's what he just said. If we're going to take this vile syllable by syllable, right? Tongues, unbelievers, prophesying, believe, right? Am I making that up? If we're going to be legalistic, but go to the next verse. What's he say? The unbelievers, uh, those who are uninformed, the unbelievers are going to hear tongues and think you're out of your mind. Didn't he just say that's what it was for? Am I making this up? He just said tongues were for unbelievers. Now he's saying unbelievers, if they hear you doing it, 
they're going to think you're crazy. Seems like a contradiction. Are you catching me? It's not a contradiction. Okay? And then if you go on, he says that prophesy, prophesying is for unbelievers. But he just said in verse 22, it's for those who believe. Hmm. What's the answer? You have to understand the context that it's written in. Can you handle this context? It's not pretty. You have to understand it, though. If you think he's just writing a little poem to a Sunday school class, you're wrong. If you read the context of 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, he says there is fornication among you that's not even mentioned among the Gentiles. Wow. They're they were doing sexually immoral deeds that even the Gentiles wouldn't do. This is chapter 5. I'm not making it up. This is the context, and we know that the, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses, right? This is one flowing letter. Sometimes people take a little snippet, and they build a doctrine off it, and they trap people. And they miss out on the life that it brings, okay? He said, in other words, the way you're living, it's worse than sinners. And you're, you're followers of Christ. He said in chapter 12, which is before verse 14, you're coming together and getting smashed at the Lord's table. So instead of having communion, they're getting drunk and glutton and stuffing themselves. Can you imagine? I mean, this is real life. This is who Paul's writing to. They were, they were off their rockers, man. <laughs> the reality is they weren't crazy. They were carnal. They were letting their flesh control them. That's what a carnal Christian is. You can be a Christian, but just be carnal where your flesh dictates to you what you say, what you do, where you go. So Paul is speaking to some seriously carnal believers. Okay? I don't want to skip over anything here. What they were doing when they came together, gross immoral acts that the Gentiles wouldn't even do, getting smashed, gluttons, and then, now, this tells us something. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. Right? I learned very early in my Christian life, it was a great principle, that your gifts can take you where your character can't sustain you. What does that mean? You don't live based on your gifts. You develop your character so that when you rise higher, you have the strength of spirit to sustain where you are, to resist the temptations at that level. New level, new devil. Did you ever hear that one? Yeah. New level, new temptations. Now, the world will, will pay big money for your gifts. They'll promote you because they don't care about you. They just want to exploit your gifts so they can make a profit off of it. It shouldn't be that way in the church. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity, obviously. Right? So he's talking to carnal babies here. They were coming together doing these things, and then they're, they're, they're trying to outdo each other with their spiritual gifts. They're all standing together speaking to each other in tongues. That's not what tongues is for. If I want to talk to you. How are you going to understand me if I speak to you in tongues? See, praying in the Spirit is for personal edification. However, this verse has been taken to say on the other side that believers shouldn't pray in the Spirit in public. In charismatic circles, right? Okay, we, we believe in that, but you don't do that around other people. That's not what he's saying either. If that was the case, you'd have to throw out the book of Acts, wouldn't you? 
Because they did it in public. <laughs> they did. And guess what happened? Some did think they were drunk, but 3,000 got saved. I'll take the 3,000 getting saved. I don't mind someone thinking I'm drunk if 3,000 people are going to get saved. And besides, what does it matter what people think anyway? You're not afraid of what people think, are you? All right. Almost there, Jennifer. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.1, very beginning of the chapter. This is a teaching time because I believe that where we're going as a group of believers, we are going to need the Holy Spirit leading the way and showing up in everything we do. And I don't want you to be afraid of it. I don't want you to miss out on what God wants to do in your life because of tradition. That's why we're talking about this. I really believe the Lord is taking us deeper and higher in Him. So what is, what is spiritual gifts all about? Well, Paul tells us, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, right? Which just flows. He's still talking. He says, be constantly pursuing this love. Yes. Love that's patient, kind, right? Does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not rude, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, never fails. That love. Amen. Amen. Earnestly endeavoring to acquire it. I like the way the Weiss brings this out. He says, moreover, be, uh, be earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts. We're talking about love, aren't we? Right, yeah. They go together. They do. Spiritual gifts are simply a manifestation of the presence of God. Amen. If they're understood and done properly. And do this in order that you might more efficiently impart to others the divine revelations you have received. This is the Weiss translation. It's going to read different if you have the King James or New King James. But I'm reading it out here for a, for a purpose. I like that term. Yours might say prophesying. This says the divine revelations you've received. Why does it say that? Well, spiritual gifts are to reveal. Revelation means to reveal, to uncover, right. unveil, right? A divine revelation is simply uh, God's nature being revealed to us. Okay? So actually, New King James, put the New King James up there, just the end of it. It says, but especially that you may prophesy. That we says, uh, the divine relations, that you may impart the divine relations you have. Now, here's some confusion. People think that prophecy is me coming up to you telling you what's going to happen in your life next week. And a lot of believers have been hurt because of this. Someone comes up to you and says, I have a word from the Lord from you. Next week, uh, so-and-so is going to come into your... Don't you accept that. Let me help you here. We're spiritual people. We're growing. But sometimes people do things out of their flesh to try and be spiritual. You need a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to know what He's speaking to you. So if someone comes up to you and says, I have a word of the Lord for you, don't assume it's from the Lord for a second. You listen to what they have to say, it might be. But it must agree with what he's already spoken in your heart. If it doesn't, you just move it off to the side and say, Jesus, your will be done in my life. And they might get offended. They might say, oh, I'm a prophet. So, well, you go be your prophet self. I'm going to follow Jesus. There are people who want to be stamped with an, an approval by you or by the church. I've got this gift. I'm, that's not what this is about. Do you know what real prophecy is according to the Bible? Revelation 19.10. Put it up there. For the testimony of Jesus 
is the spirit of prophecy. I've got a word from the Lord for you. He bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. And with the stripes that wounded Jesus, you are healed. That's prophecy. A lot of spooky, strange things are happening, and people are afraid of the Holy Spirit, not because the Holy Spirit is strange, because people are acting strange. I'm not saying the Lord doesn't encourage us, but the primary function of, of prophecy is to build us up, build each other up in Christ. We're not fortune tellers. Yes, the Lord can show you things in the future. And yes, there may be times the Lord does give you a word that is relevant to a person's life. But you know what? You don't have to preface it. I have a word for the Lord from you. I don't. I'll just say it. I'll just, we'll be talking. I'll, I might just share something just casually because it's up to them. If it's from the Lord, it's from the Lord. I don't need to say I have a word from the Lord for you. Right. Weekly prophecy happens here. I feel it. I don't stop and say, okay, this is a prophetic word coming forth here. <laughs> we get to put things in boxes. Really, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to get out of the box here. All right? We're not, we're not robots. And this is going to become real important as we go forward here. Let's go to verse 3. And he utters with his human spirit as energized by the Holy Spirit, Divine revelations not explained or not understood with the natural mind. But he who imparts divine revelations to men is speaking with the result of what? Upbuilding the Christian life, not confusing people. And oh, you know, is that, oh, that going to happen in my life now? Oh, no, no. Uh-uh. Upbuilding the Christian life, exhortation and consolation. That's the purpose of spiritual gifts, to build others up in Christ. Very important. Verse 4, the one who utters words in a tongue builds himself up in the Christian life. That's why praying the Spirit is so important. I wouldn't go a day without it. Pray in the Spirit. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, get it today. Just ask Him. Say, Father, fill me with your Spirit. And then open your mouth and let the Holy Spirit pray through your tongue. Wouldn't want to live without it. It'll build you up like nothing else. But he who imparts divine revelations to others builds up the local assembly. Now I desire that all of you be speaking in tongues. He's not forbidding it. Right? right? I don't know where that came from. Well, I do, but it's not from God. Now I desire that all of you be speaking in tongues. But I prefer that you, may, that you impart divine revelations to others. which you have. So he's saying too, if you're going to speak to someone else, you don't speak to tongues to them. Unless you're absolutely sure there's going to be interpretation that's following, or they're not going to understand what you're talking about. Then I'd walk away too, right? But that doesn't mean we can't pray in the Spirit in the company of each other. We're not talking to each other. We're praying to our Father. Don't we pray in English in the company of each other? Right? Why can't you pray in the Spirit in the company of each other? Right? People know we're, we're, we're talking to Him, right? We say hallelujah. Who are we talking to? Him, right? All right, where did I leave off? Uh, verse 5, is that where we're at? Okay. Uh, that you may impart divine revelations to others which you've received. Moreover, greater is the one who imparts divine revelations to others than he who speaks in tongues. With this, why? Because you can't understand that if it's in tongues, right? With this exception that he interpret. So we're talking about speaking to each other, not in the midst of each other. You see the difference? Big difference. With the exception that he interpret in order that the local assembly might receive upbuilding. So the context here is two, all right? Not 
not beside or with. Now, look at verse 8. And Jennifer, we're going to come up here. We're going to get to what you got. You can grab your mic. And... All right, verse 8. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, verse 6. Verse 6 in the East. But now, brethren, if I come to you, speaking in tongues to you, what will it profit you unless I speak to you? You see that? Either in the form of, here's four things it's going to list. A disclosure of the truth. That's a revelation. A disclosure of the truth. In that of experiential knowledge. Or in that of an impartation of a divine revelation. Or in that of a teaching. So here are four things we look for when we gather. We look for a disclosure of the truth. Experiential knowledge. Impartation of divine revelation. And teaching that grow us in Christ. We don't look for people to come around and tell us our future. It's not what we're here for. Understand the difference. All right? And I, I, I've heard people tell me, yeah, I was in this service and, and this woman said she was a prophetess and she prayed over us and I felt really weird. And they told me what she says. I said, no wonder you felt weird. That's weird. That's not the Holy Spirit. Don't assume because someone's a pastor or a quote-unquote prophet or apostle. Those are all valid. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in our midst. And that's good. We need them. But just because someone comes and, and has a label on front doesn't mean they really are that. Or that they understand. They may be a very carnal prophet. Okay? We go with Jesus. Right? And, and along those lines, can I hold your hand, Jamie? You need to set that Bible down. Here, I'll take it. I want to hold your hand. All right, there we go. I want to hold your hand. Beatles, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to tell you something. Okay. <laughs> now, this is good. And by the way, I, 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 I am an apostle. Don't ever call me that. <laughs> I'm a pastor. Don't call me that either. My name's Joseph. Those are just functions. Right? I, I, I don't need a, a special robe. I don't need a tie. Nothing wrong with wearing a tie. We're just going casual, okay? These are functions in my life. But I don't need a title. That's just a function God's given me. All right, so feel free to call me Joseph. That's my name. All right. Let's see. Okay, so we got those four things. So Jen, so we talked about the four things. The King James, instead of saying a disclosure of the truth in verse 6, experiential knowledge, impartation of divine revelation or teaching, the King James says revelation, knowledge, prophesying, or doctrine. Okay? Now, if you'll notice... Uh, well, I noticed last week or several times I knew the Lord was prophesying right. into our lives, That's several right. times. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, in some camps of Christianity, they believe preaching is prophesying. And I understand how they get that, but preaching isn't always prophesying. Prophesying isn't always preaching, but it's the testimony of Jesus. But if you'll notice when Joey Roberts was here two Sundays ago, was it two Sundays ago? Mm -hmm. I really felt the Holy Spirit encouraging us to pray in the Spirit, not to each other, but to really focus on what the Holy Spirit was doing. And if you'll notice, it wasn't long after that that Joey started speaking, giving forth words of knowledge. What was happening? Spiritual gifts were manifesting. Mm -hmm. 
so sometimes people want to block, okay, if you pray in the Spirit, you've got to have a syllable-by-syllable syllable interpretation of that. No, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, dis disclosure of truth is going to happen. It's not this, you know, strict, like, okay, A, B, C, D. When you start praying the Spirit, truth is going to be manifest. And we've seen that happen over and over again. It happens, and we don't highlight it, but it does, okay? So you'll see a disclosure of truth, revelation. You'll see experiential knowledge, impartation of divine revelation, and a teaching. Now, Jennifer said something to me when we were talking about this. I thought, this is going to take it to another level, if you can handle it. Now, we're going to give it to you anyway. It's really good. We're just growing in the reality of what Jesus did for us. Okay, so let me read this. Let me read verse 12, and then Jennifer wants you to share. Okay. Yourselves, since you are those who are most eagerly desirous of spiritual, of spirits in the weast, in the it says, spiritual powers, be desiring them, what? So that you can show off and people will see that you have a calling? So that you can have a platform to exercise your gifts? <laughs> no. In order that you may abound in them. Wow, with a view to the building up of the local assembly. So what's our goal when we come to church? I want to show my stuff, right? I want people to see. I want a platform where I can minister. No, to build people up in Christ. We want people to leave here stronger than when they came in. And verse 15 says, how therefore does the matter stand? I will pray by means of my spirit, but I will also, but I will pray also with the aid of my intellect. I will sing by means of my spirit, but I also will sing with the aid of my intellect. Okay, Jennifer, give us. This is good. Okay. This is really good. <laughs> so I love the weast. The weast is considered a literal translation. Is that correct? Yes. So um, I'm you're more the Bible expert, but I love the weast because it's, it's as though uh, then the words necessary uh, for us to understand it from the Greek, and it's only in the New Testament, as far mm -hmm. as I know, weast translation. So the words necessary to get across the actual meaning are what are used in this translation. So I really yep. like this. Yep. And what stood out to me were the two prepositions by and with, this really is teaching time. We're in English class, grammar <laughs> class. Preposi I said preposition. <laughs> Everybody okay? All right. So by and with. I fell asleep in grammar class. I know. That. So I catch up right here. <laughs> by and with. If you, um, let me just start with this illustration. If you had a bowl of soup, if I had a bowl of soup up here in front of me, and I had a spoon or a fork, which would you tell me to select? Spoon. You would tell me to select the spoon. You would tell me to eat my soup with a spoon. If I then told you that I am nourished by the spoon, what would you say? No. no. What was it that nourished me? Yeah. What was it that brought life to my body mm. was the soup. By the soup... I am made strong, right? <laughs> right? Right? By the soup, I gain life. I used the spoon to take the soup to myself. Do you see that? Yeah. Mm. Let's apply that here. 
It says, I will pray by means of my spirit. The spirit is the agent, just like Joseph read earlier in John 16, 13, that he waits to hear the voice of the father before he speaks. And then we are listening for the voice of the spirit. And then we speak. So life is coming by the spirit through the father, from the father, the life, the agent of life, the agent of creation. The spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth, it says in Genesis 1. And when God said, let there be light, zoom, the Holy Spirit was the agent to bring the light, okay? So this is saying that I will pray by means of my spirit, but I will also pray with the aid of my intellect. In a lot of translations, it says, I pray with my spirit, I pray with my um, my understanding. Thank you, Teresa. They s it's not a with-with. It's not, hmm, will I use a spoon today or will I use a fork today to eat my... It's not a choice um, of what I will use, whether tongues or English, to pray. I pray by the Spirit. Are All you the catching time. the difference? All the time, I'm led in prayer by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the agent. I'm not just talking up here to fill the air with words. As a matter of fact, Jesus criticized the Pharisees. They said they think that they um, are heard, are heard because yeah. they all the words they use. So the words liken them to the spoon. They are not what give us the power. Just like Joseph said, it's on the paper, but it's not the paper track that's saving someone, okay? So when it's been suggested in the past that you can't pray in tongues in church, it's because they've made the mistake of thinking we had a choice between a spoon or a fork. It's not English or spirit. Every prayer, let it be by the Spirit of God right. with the aid of our language. Yep. Do you see that? And I just was like, whoa, God. Mm, that's really good. I hadn't heard it before. I hadn't seen it before. But by seeing it in the weast, I saw the difference that by and with jumped out at me. Same thing. I can sing by the means of my spirit. Let me sing by the spirit of God. But I also sing with the aid. So language in this instance, soup is the spirit of God. He's the, the soup. He's the soup. He's the sauce. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> okay, so the spirit of God is what's giving us the life. Our language is what gets it to us all right you understand or out to you i've got something i'm praying in the spirit up here joey uh two weeks ago joseph we're praying in the spirit uh paul is not in the scripture um saying no to that we're praying in the spirit why that we might hear from god by the spirit we're praying by the spirit and then we use our english to aid our receiving of it so i can either understand it myself or i can give it to you all right so you see it's not should i use uh it's not oh, i think i'll pray in tongues today or i think i'll pray in english today it's not a spoon or a fork choice it's not a with or a with choice 
It's by the Spirit with our language. That's good. Let me read what you got here. That's good. Yeah. So she, she wrote this down. I wrote it down. It's not a choice of, oh, I'll go with tongues today, or now nah, I'm feeling like English. It's both. And <laughs> that the agent of every prayer is by the Spirit. The soup, right? The meaning is understood and conferred with the accompanying language, the fork or the spoon of my mind. Paul is not forbidding tongues. He's telling how kingdom things get done by our leader's spirit working with our assistant mind. I like that. Our spirit is leading and our mind is to assist that, right? To help us interpret what's going on. All right, so let's last verse, then we're done. 1 Corinthians 39. 1439, go all the way to 39. So what's the conclusion? So that, my brethren, be desiring earnestly. See, it's a good desire. To be imparting to others divine revelations. Why? Because we want people to be strong and healed and whole, right? And stop forbidding the speaking in tongues. Wow. That's what Paul's he's saying. Don't forbid that. A lot of churches have. You can't speak in tongues in a corporate gathering. Paul forbidden that. And no, you, where, where'd you get that from? Tradition. He said, stop forbidding the speaking in tongues. But let all things be done in a seemly manner and in a right order. And love sets that order. Amen. Stay up here, Jen. I need your hand again. All right. Now, that's all we have. But let me share this with you. We're a new church. And uh, as we're going forward, you need to understand how we operate. I didn't just get up one day and say, hey, let's start a church, and here we were. This was, I guess, 20-some uh, years in the making. But I came to know the Lord, and 10 years later, I entered full-time ministry and have been in ever since. Been through a lot of different experiences, some very, very challenging ones. But when we knew that the Lord was speaking to our hearts to step out and do this, um, we took six months to create our corporate documents. What are those? See, uh, we're all fallible people, right? I make mistakes just like you do. It's Christ in us that's the guarantee of, of glory. So we need accountability. And I'm saying, and I'm not putting down, you know, there are some circles where they like to be addressed as bishop or apostle, and that's fine. I, I, I prefer just my first name. <laughs> Because that's just the way I am. But I, and I think sometimes an emphasis is put on the title instead of the substance of what's actually happening. And I want substance, okay? Um, so we took six months because I had been through situations. I've been in a lot of different types of churches in different parts of the country and even overseas. And I've seen where some difficult things happened, where the pastor went astray and either got into an immoral lifestyle or started teaching some wrong doctrine. So before this ever started, I'm just I'm sharing this stuff, and I want you to understand how we operate. I built into our corporate documents accountability for our... Jennifer is a co-pastor with me, all right? She has the same authority I do. She has the same calling I do. So we're different in personalities. That's why she's a co-pastor with me, okay? Women are equal in the scriptures, right? But different in function. We're different in function. Equal in terms of importance, but different in function, all right? And that's another issue for debate. We'll get that another time, maybe. Um, but anyway, so one of the things that I did, first and foremost, and I studied different corporate documents and organizations. It's something I've, I've loved to study over the years. And I found out no matter how good your corporate documents are, there's no substitute 
for loving, trusting relationships in your life. So we needed good elders that we really trust who knew us. And we've got Debbie and Dennis and Alan and Judy uh, Swerveless as well. Four of the most excellent people you'll find on planet Earth. Just, uh, I, could, I trust them with, with our lives. Yeah, and they're right here. So I knew we had to have that. But also, I built into the, so we gotta have loving, trusting relationships. You gotta have mature elders who don't get caught up in the fat of the moment, who aren't looking for a platform to exercise their gifts, who want to build people other up in Christ, who are servants in their hearts. That's what we are, servants. Um, this, this came, what we're doing came at great expense and sacrifice in, my, in our personal life, great expense. I won't go into the details of that. You just have to take my word for it. I also built in the corporate documents an accountability board, which are three men that do not go here. One of them is a corporate executive in a huge company, very high up. Another one is a pastor who's been a pastor for at least 40 years, excellent man. And another one is a, is a, um, a, a truck driver who's also the head of the, uh, one of the large, probably the largest homeschool Christian group in Rhode Island, an excellent father, excellent husband. So these three men are part of our, our accountability board. What does that mean? If I start going astray, or if, if I start doing some questionable things, the elders can talk to me about it, and, and, if, and if I'm not listening and things don't change, they call the accountability board. They can get a hold of them. These three men will come, and they can remove me. Isn't that good? They have the authority to, to, to the elders do too. They say, you know what, you're, you're, you're a little fruity. We're gonna, you're out of here, you know. You need that. You don't need a pastor who says, my way or the highway. You don't need that. I've been there. I've, I've been under that. Man, that's tough. Where they're convinced they've got the revelation. Whoever disagrees with them is wrong, so let's hit the door. You don't need that in your life. So I'm, we're sh- this is a teaching day. We're kind of sharing you how we operate, where we're coming from. And so you can know that we go forward. This is what we're doing. Now, uh, we're going to worship the Lord with our offering uh, right now. Before we do that, let me say this last thing. I'm trying to fit this into a, a, a tight little message here, but that was, I don't know how I'm doing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you say, so what do, we do? what do we do when we gather together on Sunday mornings? This is our corporate time together. We rent this place. So that kind of, you know, dictates a little bit what we do because uh, we don't have a free, we have a certain window that we've got to fit things into. So basically, we have about two hours together. Now, people will say, well, we come together, we should do this, this, and this. How, is it, how do we determine how we spend our Sunday mornings together? Well, when God, God calls people to do his work, right? You look in the scripture, God calls men or women, the, whether it was the judges, the prophets, the pastors, apostles, and he gives them a vision. So he's called us and he's put a vision in our heart. The primary need that the Lord has put on our heart, and I believe it's probably one of the greatest needs in the body of Christ, is the preaching and teaching of the gospel of God's grace huge need so most of our time is going to be spent doing that unless the Lord leads us otherwise but we don't go into each Sunday with an agenda now I create a schedule but they know we don't really follow it so no we we try and stick to it but it's on a spreadsheet and I put it down to the minute you know of when we're going to try and start these things but what we do on a Sunday morning we want the the Father to lead us Okay, and we, we seek him each week and, and each month and each year. Say, Lord, let our Sundays be what you want. Let our corporate time be what you want it to be. All right, so there you have it. I think I got it all out. It's a little longer than I had hoped, but 
Anyway, thanks for listening. Yeah. It's a little family time. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.